Welcome, everybody, to Dad Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in. And the day has come, a day early at that. Uh, Dad Talk Live is now available on Screenbox. No more arguments over semantics. Is it a live stream? Oh, and you guys know how much I love it when people call this show a podcast. No, 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 none of that anymore. We've officially entered the digital streaming TV race group, whatever the hell you want to call it. We are a television show, uh, officially. So there you guys have it. And uh, we're available as of very, very early this morning on Screenbox. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. And uh, I got to say, I'm very excited. I am, I'm so excited. I want to thank everybody for their support. I want to thank my great team and what we've been able to accomplish in less than 16 months. Over 90 celebrity guest interviews and on and on and on. But it's you guys that I come on here for every day to talk to, to interact with. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And I just had a loss for words beyond that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Want to welcome Philip Collette from England. Vaughn is from the Philippines is joining us. Lisa is, of course, joining us. Khaleesi, welcome you guys. Louis, Juma, everybody's here. Thank you guys so much. Khaleesi's wishing me a happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is my birthday today. I hope everyone is enjoying their day. Uh, and I hope you guys got to watch our interview yesterday with Adam Corson. I loved, uh, that interview. I love talking to Adam. It was a fascinating chat. I know I say this a lot, but I don't know. It was something special yesterday with Adam. We were talking, uh, with, you know, as part of the show and, uh, you know, it was a great conversation. Not only did we get to talk about his movie that is premiering today, The Stairs, and his awesome TV show that is in the middle, not even reached the middle yet. It won't be the middle till tomorrow. Uh, Surreal Estate, if you guys have not are not watching Surreal Estate, it is available on Sci-Fi. Please go check it out, especially if you're a fan of the paranormal horror subgenre. You won't be disappointed. Uh, it's a great show. So I had a great talk with him last night and uh, really enjoyed it. Now, tomorrow we have another fascinating guest. We have Tate Ellington. Tate Ellington has been in great movies such as Sinister, The Endless, and a whole bunch more. I'm really looking forward to my chat tomorrow with Tate. So make sure you tune in for that. It's going to start 9.30 p.m. Eastern on all our social media channels. So please tune in for that. That is going to be a really fascinating conversation. And I have a lot of questions for Tate. So, really looking forward to that. Lindsay says, love the interview last night. Uh, Philip uh, is wishing me a happy birthday. Thank you, Philip. Uh, as is Lisa. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's just another year. Another year to scratch off the calendar. Year number 47. That's right. I'm no longer in my mid-40s. I have now entered into my late 40s. Before I know it, the big 5-0 will be upon me. Damn. I mean, my teenage years, to me, they're as 
fresh a memory as if they happened yesterday. So for all you guys, young people out there, cherish these times because it's going to pass and it's going to pass quickly. So anyway, enough of that depressing talk. Let's get on to some news. We'll be doing a little bit of trivia as we have been over the last couple of weeks, mixing it up in honor of The Walking Dead premiering very soon, August 22nd, August 15th. For those of you who have AMC+, Plus, we'll be doing Walking Dead questions mixed in with some general horror trivia questions as well as we have been over the last two weeks. So, you know, should be fun. Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions that's been stomping you guys, and I love the questions that stomp you because the chats go completely silent. And I got to give you guys props. I tell you guys not to cheat, not to go on Google, and I'm assuming you guys, well, the majority of you are not Googling the answers, and I appreciate that. It takes the fun out of the game if you Google the answer. Uh, Colette writes, mine's 59. Wow, the big 60. 60 years young, Colette. That's the way you should see it. Zoe is also wishing me a happy birthday. Uh, Zoe is also saying a year full of amazing accomplishments. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm, I'm taking a step back and, you know, I'm proud. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. I'm proud of my team and what we've accomplished. I love them. And yeah, I'm proud. And I don't think it's shameful to announce it. I'm proud of what we have accomplished here. This show started as a way for me to pass some time. Like, if you guys have been watching for a while, you've heard me tell the story. The first stream I ever did was at 3.30 in the morning because I didn't want anybody to watch. I was terrified. And the first 30 episodes were audio only before I decided to show my face and switch to video. So, you know, here we are, 16 months later, television contract, over 90 celebrity guest interviews and counting, growing strong, sky's the limit. We're about to be making an announcement uh, on something really cool. It's not uh, directly associated with Dead Talk Live, but more with my uh, our production company, Dead Talk Media LLC, and what we're putting together for you guys. So stay tuned. Uh, the announcement should be made official within the next week, I hope, if everything goes according to schedule. So uh, Colette writes, 18 in the head, 118 in the body. Oh, I feel you, Colette. I'm 47, and my body feels like it's 97. So let's get on to uh, some news out there. And what we have first up is... Don't Breathe 2. Now, we've been anticipating this sequel for a while. The reviews are out. And as with any review, please take it with a grain of salt. So, Don't Breathe 2 reviews are online, and here are what critics are saying about the horror sequel. It's fitting that Friday the 13th is the week as the follow-up to 2016's Don't Breathe arrives on Friday the 13th. Stephen Lang returns as the blind Norman Nordstrom in Don't Breathe 2, set eight years after the original. In the sequel, Nordstrom lives with um, 11-year-old Phoenix, but after she is kidnapped, he must use his military training to save her. 
The horror thriller features Madeline Grace as Phoenix, along with Brendan Sexton, Ill, Bobby Schofield, Rochi Williams, Adam Young, and Christian Zagia. The movie was directed by Roto Saiges in his directorial debut, and the screenplay was co-written by Saiges and Fede Alvarez, who directed the first film. As previously stated, Don't Breathe 2 will debut tomorrow, Friday the 13th, and it looks absolutely brutal. Critics have started releasing their reviews of the action thriller, so let's take a look at what they are saying. Uh, started with cinema blend side, as always, Eric Eisenberg was disappointed with Don't Breathe 2, rating it a 1.5 out of 5 stars. Ouch! While he thought the violence was satisfying, that's about the only thing he enjoyed and argued that this sequel is a disaster. Eisenberg noted that the biggest problem in the horror thriller is that Lang Nordstrom's is a terrible protagonist. The filmmakers try to make viewers root for the blind man, but it's impossible to forget that he did some truly monstrous things in the original film. And to be fair to the guy, they were breaking into his house. So, you know, just backing him up a little bit. The attempt to make viewers sympathetic towards him was gross. According to Eisenberg, here's a direct quote. It subtracts so much of what was great about the original and makes a huge mis- sorry, a huge miscalculation in changing the focus and then problems continue to compound with its paper-thin characters and utterly ridiculous secret plot. Benjamin Lee from The Guardian shared a lot of Eisenberg's sentiments about Don't Breathe 2, noting that it should instead be titled Don't Breathe 2, Don't Bother. For one, he argued that a sequel to the first film was, wasn't even necessary, And two, he noted that after seeing what Nordstrom was capable of in the first installment, why should we care about what happens to him? The movie never gives us a real answer, according to Lee, and thus viewers really don't care about any of the characters. His quote is, Lang is effectively imposing physical presence, but his character remains a problem the film isn't able to fix. The portrayal of monster-turned-savior is something quite few critics just couldn't get past, as evidenced above and is again shared in Chris Evangelista's review for the Slash film. While he thought it was commendable to the action-horror flick, at least tried something new, uh, a.k.a. make the slasher character into someone heroic, rather than recycle the same ideas from the first movie, he thought it asks for too much sympathy for the devil. Evangelista thought Lang and Grace were at least quite good in their performances, but the problem is they weren't given uh, much to work with. His quote is, there's a sleazy sort of vibe to some moment that go a long way, but not nearly long enough, and it's consistently hard to look beyond the film's portrayal of old Norman. Let's go, let's look at one more review. Let's see if anybody had something nice to say.
While Aaron Newworth from We Live Entertainment thought there was some clever bits in the action movie, he also thought the attempt to turn the blind man into an anti-hero didn't work. He thought the filmmakers were eventually going to provide a justification for rooting for Nordstrom, but it never came. And he also thought the horror film wasn't even very scary, Newworth said. His quote is, the attempt to redirect our feelings on the series villain is a poor misstep, leaving it up to the film to at least deliver tense set pieces involving people sneaking around and trying not to get killed. These are similarly, similarly not all the impressive, not at all that impressive, leaving a movie without solid footing in multiple areas of a horror film as a whole that has run out of oxygen. So, they don't like it. Alright? Multiple reviewers don't like Don't Breathe 2. Doesn't matter, I'm still going to watch it anyway. I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm going to love it, like it, hate it. I, you know, I respect their opinions, but at the end of the day, they're called critics for a reason, right? Uh, they really try to break down a movie, and every little slight flaw, they're going to really point out. I'm still going to watch the movie. Uh, it is, you know, uh, action horror. More action than horror. The first one was scary in the way it was shot. It was a great movie. Uh, you know, and I never really saw uh, the character as a, just a bad-out villain. Uh, they were breaking into his house, okay? You know, if you're going to look at the thieves and make them out to be the good guys, I have an issue with that. I really do. Uh, you know, they broke into his house. Uh, you know, and being a person who can't see, he did a pretty damn good job of eliminating the threat. So I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to rate it on my own terms. Uh, Khaleesi writes, cannot wait to see it. I loved the first one. Uh, so did I. Uh, Lindsay writes, I turned 38 this year as well. Yeah, time passes, time passes. So let's do some trivia like i said in honor of the premiere of the walking dead coming up on august 22nd let's start off with some some walking dead questions and let's go straight to wild card now what did the governor deliver to the prison in a van oh easy what did the governor deliver to the prison in a van this is easy. Come on, who's the first one to type it up? Walkers. That's right. I believe when that show aired live, that episode aired live, uh, I think they nicknamed it a zombie bomb or a walker bomb, which is kind of accurate. You know, dropping zombies in the middle of the prison courtyard. You know, that's just how evil the governor was. All right, let's go to episodes. In the episode titled Walk With Me, which first season character found Michonne and Andrea in the forest? In the episode titled Walk With Me, which first season character found Michonne and Andrea in the forest? 
Yeah, Khaleesi, Merle. He came up on them and uh, he knew exactly uh, who Andrea was. He didn't know who Michonne was, but he definitely knew who Andrea was. Um, Marie is wishing me a happy birthday. Wow, Marie, did you just join us? Marie, our lovely Instagram moderator. All right, let's go on to characters. Which prison inmate got scratched by a walker while trying to clear a cell block? Which prison inmate got scratched by a walker while trying to clear a cell block? Man, Khaleesi, you are on the thing. Let's see if you're right. Khaleesi says tiny. You know, since you've gotten all of them so far, Khaleesi, you're half right. What was his full nickname? Lisa also says Tiny. He had a... That's... There, it's not his full nickname. His full nickname is Big Tiny. Just messing with you guys. I'll, you guys got credit for that one. Alright, let's go to General Horror. And let's do Psychological. The Psychological, which is purple. What is the name of the fictional preserve in which the titular settlement of the village is set? What is the name of the fictional preserve in which the titular settlement of the village from 2004 is set? So basically... Base, what is the name? Um, you know, if you haven't watched the movie yet, this is going to give it all away. But what is the name of the reserve that they fooled everybody to thinking the people living there that they were living, you know, several hundred years back from when they really are giving up all modern, you know, comforts and technology? Anybody remember the name of the preserve? No, no, nobody's going to get this one. Uh, I didn't even know the answer to this one. Walker Wildlife Preserve. Didn't know that one. Did not know that one. All right, let's continue with horror. And let's go to Slasher. What actor from The Magnificent Seven from 1960 played the henchman of the principal character played by Vincent Price in the House of Wax from 1953. If anybody gets this, it would impress the shit out of me. What actor from The Magnificent Seven from 1960 played the henchman of the principal character played by Vincent Price in the House of Wax from 1953? Khaleesi guesses Clint Eastwood. No, the answer is Charles Bronson, though he was credited as Charles Buczynski. He was credited as Charles Buczynski, not as Charles Bronson. Come on. I wonder if anybody would have gotten that one. That was pretty damn hard. All right, let's go to the paranormal category, which is a little bit easier. Ah, innkeepers. Our guest, former guest, Sarah Paxton. She was the star of The Innkeepers. 
This is an innkeeper's question. In the innkeepers from 2011, what is the name of the haunted hotel? Now I know the answer to this. Now, the star of the movie, Sarah Paxton, was a guest of ours. And we talked about this hotel in quite detail. Anybody remember the name? Anybody? That was a great conversation with Sarah. The name... Oh, Lindsay didn't see the movie. Khaleesi can't remember. All right, the name of the hotel in to be actually to be more accurate was called the yankee peddler inn and if you want to go back guys and watch that interview that's an actual real place and it was really haunted and during the interview she shared with us some of the uh unexplainable things that happened during shooting all right let's go back to the walking dead uh, let's do, uh, locations. What was the name of the governor's community? What was the name of the governor's community? Come on. Anybody who can type it in the fastest? Woodbury. Again, Khaleesi. All right. Let's see if we can find a hard one. Let's go back to episodes. That seems to be one of the hardest categories. In the episode Made to Suffer, introduced which two siblings? The episode Made to Suffer introduced which two siblings? Not that many siblings on this show. Anybody? Sasha and Tyrese. All right, Khaleesi, I'm calling a timeout on you on this next one. Khaleesi is not allowed to answer this next question and give uh, someone else a chance. So, Khaleesi, don't answer. All right, let's go to wild card. What flower does Daryl place on Carol's grave at the prison? What flower does Daryl place on Carol's grave at the prison. Anybody know the flower? Now this is hard. Oh, Lisa. Nice. Nailed it. A Cherokee rose. That's impressive, Lisa. That, that impressed me. That impressed me. All right, Khaleesi, you're back in the game now. Let's go with another wild card question. What was the first name Carl suggested for his baby sister? What was the first name Carl suggested for his baby sister? Newborn baby sister. Born on the floor of the cell prison. Khaleesi, you're right, Sophia. Colette writes Angela. No, no, it was Sophia. In honor of... Carol's daughter, Sophia, who passed away in season two. All right, let's go back to episodes. What did Rick offer the prison inmates in exchange for half the food left in the cafeteria? What does Rick offer the inmates 
in return for half the food left in the cafeteria that they were holed up in. Welcome Mo, who has joined us. What did Rick offer them? Weapons? Nope. Room? That's very general. You gotta be more specific than that. Lisa, nice. Lisa, Lisa nailed it exactly. They would clear out a cell block for them. They would clear out a cell block for them. All right, let's do uh, the dead. All right, the dead. Let's see how you guys do there. Who was the, firk, the first of Rick's group to kill one of the walkers in riot gear? Who was the first of Rick's group to kill one of the walkers in riot gear when they were taking the prison? This is, I think I know the, yeah. Maggie, Maggie, everyone got that one right. Yes, it was Maggie. I was sort of, uh, it was, for me, I was either leaning towards Maggie or um, T-Dog. Irony Singleton. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go to events and milestones. Oh, this is easy. No, I'm not going to read this one. Locations, locations. By the way, the question I bypassed is, who amputated Herschel's leg? That's way too easy. All right, let's go to look uh, locations. Who was the first? Okay, who first saw the prison from the railroad tracks? Glenn and Maggie, Rick and Daryl, or Daryl and Carol? Who first saw the prison from the railroad tracks? Glenn and Maggie, Rick and Daryl, or Daryl and Carol? Good job, Lisa. Rick and Daryl. That's the answer. Okay. We'll get back to those questions in a little bit. Let's continue on with uh, some other news here. So, the return trailer. Okay, the plot. The last surviving member of a family returns to his childhood home, stirring up terrifying memories and the naked murder ghost that creeps around in its place. So this is a big screen trailer. Let me move this around so you guys can actually see the full trailer. All right. And let's play it. And let's see what this is about. Oswald was a good man. He left everything to you. The house, everything in it. This is all yours now, hey? Yeah, I guess. Roger, I'll, I'll come check on you in a bit. Do you know what happened to him? All I know is that they found him at the top of the stairs outside Amelia's room. Over the last few days, some weird things have been going on. I swear I keep seeing someone in the house, but when I go to check it out, no one's there. Is that the third time this week that I picked these up? Raj, I think there's a naked murder ghost in your house.
All right, now that looks good. That looks uh, that looks really good. And that actor, uh, which his name is escaping me right now, uh, I really like him. Let's see. Let's read the article. So, review. Given that the return uh, marks the featured directorial debut of stuntman B.J. Varat, it's kind of surprising that the movie doesn't have much in the way of flashy stunt work. Instead of making an action-packed spe- spectacle like other stuntmen turned directors have done, Verat has made a very economical sci-fi horror movie as his first feature. The Return is largely a one-location movie that centers on just three characters, occasionally widening the scope for a handful of dialogue scenes, but plenty of crazy things happen to those three characters in that one location. The three people who spend most of the time uh, with our college students, Roger Emmerlich, sorry, played by Richard Harmon, and his best friend, Jordan Echo Anderson, uh, and his girlfriend, Beth, uh, Sarah Thompson, who are having a somber spring break because Roger's father just died unexpectedly. Roger takes Jordan and Beth to his childhood home, the place in where his in which his father died, where they stay while preparing to attend the funeral. During their time there, they also start digging into Roger's past and stirring up repressed memories about his parents' troubled marriage, the death of his sister, the disappearance of his mother, and an imaginary friend that was such a serious issue that the young Roger was sent to see a psychiatrist. Here's a screenshot from the film. The viewer, the viewer is tipped off that there is something strange going on in the Emmerlich house well before the characters catch on because we are shown a shadowy creature lurking around the place. This digitally enhanced, uh, quote, naked murder ghost, as the character will call it in the film, is one of the least effective elements of the movie because it's meant to be terrifying and yet comes off being pretty silly. Scenes where this creature attacks characters should be a highlight, but they're more likely to elicit chuckles. Aside from the execution of the naked murder ghost, the return does tell an intriguing story that was crafted by Rot and co-writer Ken Jansons. The film is labeled sci-fi horror because the mystery of Roger's past involves not only ghostly creatures and disturbing imaginary friends, but also experiments conducted by scientist parents, Oswald and Esme. Uh, It's clear that something the parents did has caused all the spookiness in their home. But Virat makes sure we don't have all the answers until the movie is closing in on the end, unraveling the mystery in an interesting way over the course of running time. The banter between the characters is well written, and Harmon, Anderson, and Thompson did a good job delivering it. Anderson, uh, who has been credited as Echo Porosky on previous projects, especially shines as the irrelevant but caring Jordan. She's the most entertaining and likable character in the movie, and I hope to see this lead to more prominent roles for Anderson in the future. 
The Return is a middle-of-the-road sort of movie for most of its 90 minutes. Not too bad, not great, but watchable if you're invested in seeing the story through and finding out the answers to its mysteries. It has some issues along the way, but no deal-breakers. Unless you have a stronger negative reaction to the naked murder ghost than I did, uh, then we reach the climax where the return goes in directions I did not expect at all. Things get really nuts in the final minutes of this movie, and I think there will be a divided response from viewers. Some will love how crazy it gets, while others will be completely put off by it. Shaking their heads in disbelief. Now, which is cool, I like that Varat decided to do something different with the haunted house scenario. My only problem with the last 30 minutes or so comes from what I felt was a misstep in the writing of the characters when the fate of one is sort of just shrugged off by others. That bothered me, but the craziness around it didn't. So there you guys have it. It's called The Return. No idea uh, if it's out already, when it's coming out, and whatnot, but it might be out already for all we know. But that, I'm sorry, but that blue-eyed specter, I thought it was pretty damn creepy. Didn't make me laugh. Uh, Khaleesi writes, that looks real good. Uh, Lindsay, the name, Tom Felton, thank you. Uh... <laughs> Uh, we, we, we have Mustaine right well. It looks like I'm not sleeping tonight. That was a pretty damn good uh, trailer right there. Katashi writes, hello. Uh, welcome to the show, Katashi. Let's see what else we have. American Horror Story double feature plot details and more posters unveiled. Let's see this little teaser. August 25th. There you go. FX on Hulu. Man, even American Horror Story is not going to be on regular FX this season. That's also going to be on FX on Hulu. But for those of you guys that have been watching American Horror Story for a while now, you notice the pattern that before each season, they come out with these great teasers uh, like this. Uh, and the seasons don't disappoint. That's not what I'm getting to. But, um, I mean, it, it just makes you, just watching that, it makes you think it's going to be like an E.T. slash underwater horror nightmare. And then the episodes start, 
and you know we really get to see what's unfolding but they do a great job at coming up with these teasers uh you know if you're gonna throw a teaser out there you know why not do it why not do it the way they do it i think that's awesome the way they do it anyway we're just 13 days away from the august 25th premiere of american horror story this season is being called Double Feature, the latest season of the FX anthology th series, American Horror Story, and the first plot details have finally arrived online, along with some new posters for the show, which you can check out below. The premiere episode of Double Feature, titled Cape Fear, has the following synopsis. A struggling writer, his pregnant wife, and their daughter move to an isolated beach town for the winter. Once they settled in, the town's true residents begin to make themselves known. Are they aliens? Are we talking like, you know, invasions of the body snatchers here? Anyway, this season is called Double Feature because it will be telling. Two horrifying stories, one by the sea, the other by the sand. The titles of these stories are Red Tide and Death Valley. The promotional images for the show imply that Red Tide will be dealing with killer mermaids slash sirens, while Death Valley brings aliens into the mix. That's why you have aliens and sirens both fighting and mourning each other in the poster below. The cast of American Horror Story Double Feature includes Sarah Paulson, I'm glad she's coming back, Macaulay Culkin, Kathy Bates, Evan Peters, Leslie Grossman, Billy Lord, Adina Porter, Lily Rabe, Angelica Ross, Finn Whitrock, and Kaya Gerber. So a lot of the alumni, majority of the alumni are coming back for this season. American Horror Story co-creator Ryan Murphy has said that Culkin will be playing an insane part that involves having crazy erotic sex with Kathy Bates. Oh man, I just got an image right there. Now, you guys have to remember, for me, Macaulay Culkin is the kid from Home Alone. I mean, I know he's all grown up now and stuff, but... It's the kid from Home Alone, and he's having, quote, crazy, erotic sex with Kathy Bates. Damn, that's an image I'm not going to be able to shake. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Mustaine writes, I just threw up in my mouth. I don't know what to say about that. Lisa writes, oh, God, get that thought out of my head. Efren writes, now I won't be sleeping tonight. I mean, like I said, I know Macaulay Culkin has grown up. I mean, the Home Alone movies were in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> him and Kathy Bates, who knows? They may do it so beautifully that... We will forget everything and just get pulled into the moment and forget who they are. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Lindsay writes, holy crap. Anyway, Paulson teased that her character, quote, has some issues 
and sports a hair color that has never been on Paulson's head before. Episodes of Double Feature will be available to watch through FX on Hulu streaming service the day after they first... Okay, they are airing on the FX channel. Good. So they're airing primarily on the FX channel. So for those of you that don't have Hulu, you'll be able to watch it on FX. And then the day after, it's going to FX on Hulu. Now the spinoff, American Horror Stories is exclusively available available only on FX on Hulu. I haven't seen the first two episodes of the spin-off American Horror Stories, and maybe the first two episodes of American Horror, uh, Horror Story Season 1, so I probably won't be watching Double Feature as it airs, but I might get around to checking out all of the AHS I've missed at some point. And here are the posters. And that is some whacked out shit right there. Check that out. Wow. Those are some cool shots. Gotta give them credit, man. They know how to market this stuff. The people who come up, you know, with AHS, Ryan Murphy and company... They definitely know how to get audiences excited for what's coming up. So, Lisa writes, Misery and Kevin. Yeah, what was her character's name in Misery? Misery was the fictional uh, book character that she was just infatuated with. Uh, Lindsay writes, Awesome Posters. Yeah, those are pretty damn good. That's an understatement. All right. Let's do some more questions. Let's go to general horror and let's go back to the paranormal category. In The Woman in Black from 2012, what actor portrayed the only town resident to help Arthur Kipps? Arthur Kipps was played by Daniel Radcliffe, who is Harry Potter. So, in The Woman in Black from 2012, what actor portrayed the only town resident to help Arthur? Anybody? Annie, that was her name. That's right. Annie Wilkes. That was Kathy Bates' name on um, in Misery. Annie Wilkes. The answer to the question is Ciaran Hines. I don't think anybody would have gotten that. All right, Walking Dead, Walking Dead. Let's go to Wild Card. What did... Uh, no, that's too easy. I'm sorry, I'm not doing easy questions. It's a waste of time. Uh, let's go to Events and Milestones. After he was thrown from his horse, what weapon was Daryl carrying that also injured him i believe this was the uh when he hallucinated seeing merle after he was thrown from his horse what weapon was daryl carrying that also injured him khaleesi got it right arrow uh, Colette writes knife. Lindsay also said arrow. Good job, guys. You guys are nailing these Walking Dead questions. Let's go back to the dead. Who had to put down the... Oh, 
No. Who had to put down the resurrected Sophia? No. Don't even answer. We're going to another question. Uh, let's go uh, to episodes. At shooting practice, who showed such proficiency that Rick recommended them to advanced class? I do not remember this. At shooting practice, who showed such proficiency that Rick recommended them to the, quote, advanced class? Anybody? Ah, you see, this is what I love, the quiet. Ah, Lindsay. Lindsay got it in first. Andrea. Andrea. And if you remember in the first season, Rick had to show her how to work the safety when they first came across each other in that shopping center. All right, let's go... Uh, I'm 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 cheating. I'm looking over the questions uh, to skip the easy ones. Let's go to wild card. What was Dale? What was Dale worried might kill T Dog after he cut his arm? What was Dale worried might kill T Dog after he cut his arm? No, that's uh, Khaleesi writes infection. Got to be more specific. Dale, I remember this. Dale specifically mentioned it. Colette writes sepsis. Can you? Yeah. Infection. Yeah. I mean, they're all correct. But the, the answer the, they're looking for are the words that Dale actually used. It's not a heat stroke. It is blood poisoning. Blood poisoning. That's what Dale was afraid T-Dog was going to die of when he cut his arm. That sounds just like Dale. Let's go back to the dead. Which two people found the hanged walker who wrote the poem that began Go, sorry, God bit, fever hit. Which two people found the hanged walker who wrote the poem that began, God bit, fever hit? I don't know the answer to this. Anybody? Good job. Daryl and Andrea from Lisa, Lindsay, and Khaleesi. Man, you guys know you're walking dead. Uh, let's go to events and milestones. Who was the one person Rick never wanted to fail? Pretty general there. Who was the one person Rick never wanted to fail? Anybody? Carl. Good job, Lisa. It was Carl. All right. These are way too easy for you guys. Let's go back to general horror. And let's go to slasher. Okay. In uh, the movie The Theater of Blood from 1973, Edward Lionheart recites, recites passages by what playwright? In the 1973 film Theater of Blood... 
Edward Lionheart recites passages by what playwright? Think of a writer, not an actual play. Colette says Edgar Allan Poe, Poe, nope, nope, not Poe. Khaleesi, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. They were looking just for the author, not to play. All right, let's go. Let's stay with general horror and let's do monsters. We don't do monsters nearly enough. In 1931's Frankenstein, what is the first name of Dr. Frankenstein? It appears that they've changed it over the years. In 1931's Frankenstein, what is the first name of Dr. Frankenstein? Vincent? No. I've always known it to be Victor. Victor Frankenstein. But it's not that. It's not Edward either. Any other guesses? Arthur? Nope, you guys don't know. The answer is Henry. Hen Dr. Henry Frankenstein. Did not remember that. All right. Let's, uh, let's see. Let's go to paranormal. What? No, I think we've already done this one. Cards get mixed up sometimes. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. Let's go to a comedy. Let's do comedy. What actor... This is an easy one. Okay, this is really easy. What actor voiced Chucky in the Child's Play series from 88 to 2017? Who did the voice of Chucky in the Chucky movies? Anybody? Come on, this is easy. This is an easy general horror one. Anybody? Come on. No. No, you guys don't know the name. It's Brad Dourif. The very awesome Brad Dourif. Mustaine got it. Efren got it. After I said the answer. But I know you guys typed it in before that. Alright, uh, let's see what we got. Uh, you know, let's stick with the Frankenstein questions. The, the, the 1931 Frankenstein which what actor played the iconic monster Franken, in Frankenstein? Who played Frankenstein's monster in the 1931 version? This is a famous person. This is this is an answer that history buffs would know. Nope, not Lon Chaney. Not Lon Chaney. Any other guesses? No, not Christopher Lee. Not Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is known for playing Dracula. Now, it's uh, Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff played Frankenstein's monster. All right, let's go to... Uh, this gore and disturbing. 
All right, in the 2006 version of The Hills Have Eyes, what Californian city is the Carter family traveling to? In the 2006 The Hills Have Eyes, what Californian city is the Carter family traveling to? I mean, there's like three major cities in California. I mean, major, major cities. It's not LA. So we just knocked one off the list. Come on. Any other guesses? Lindsay writes Florida. No, Florida's a state, not a city in California, Lindsay. Uh, Lisa, yes, San Diego. San Diego, good job, Lisa. Good job, all right. Let's do, let's see how much time we have. We can sneak in one more article here. Let's see what we have. Uh, uh, we've talked enough about uh, Frankenstein. No, no. Here's a good way to end uh, tonight's episode. Nine twisted horror movies you need to watch more than once. Twisted horror movies such as Jigsaw, uh, uh, Scream 4, Hush, Hereditary, Get Out, requires more than one watch to fully appreciate the chain of events. So here's a list, and Scream Rant, you know, loves their lists. Here's a list of horror movies you need to watch more than once to make sure you got everything that they were trying to convey. Number nine is Scream 4. All right, we had the uh, one of the actors from Scream 4 is our guest, Eric uh, Eric Knudsen. Uh, he was in Scream 4. Number eight is Get Out from 2017. Number seven is The Den. And I'll tell you what, guys, I I saw this movie uh, for like the third time last week. If none of you guys have ever watched The Den, uh, please watch it. It's from 2013. And it's a great uh, movie. It's like Hostile meets Unfriended. That's what The Den is all about. You're not going to be disappointed. Very underrated film. Uh, so that's number seven. Number six is It Follows from 2015. Number five is Hush from 2016. Number four is Safer at Home. Uh, from this year, 2021. Number three is I Am Legend with uh, Will Smith, 2007. I know I've seen that way more than one time. Number two is The Very Awesome Hereditary from 2018. That's become a huge hit. And number one is Jigsaw from 2017. This was a, This was really good, you know. After the second Saw movie, it was basically hit or miss with the franchise moving forward. But I really enjoyed Jigsaw from 2017. And I hope you guys did as well. Anyway, we are out of time for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, tomorrow we have special guest Tate Ellington from movies such as Sinister and The Endless. And a whole bunch more will be, it's going to be a great conversation. So please 
Tune in tomorrow. Our broadcast starts at 9.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. You won't want to miss it. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. A lot of announcements coming up. Visit us on the web. See the list of all of our upcoming guests, our featured episodes, uh, recent past episodes, and a lot more information. Stay safe. And until back with you guys tomorrow with our special guest, Tate Ellington. Stay safe. Stay walking. Good night. And check us out on Screenbox.